c'est vrai. Je suis un ananas. Now, in the uh, towers of uh, Edmonton... I'm not a Tory. I don't speak on both sides. I do not use crack cocaine, nor am I an addict of crack cocaine. Back to another week of Fat French and Fabulous. I'm Janelle Camo. And I'm Jessica Pigeot. We're using the very francophone last names because this is a very special episode. This is a very special We're talking French about episode. F- French sisters. We're going with the Pepin sisters this week. I was like, yes, I feel very like, exciting. Yeah, I feel like I like pronounce my last name slightly differently, like just depending on what mood I'm in. I've never mm. been like a hundred percent clear on how to pronounce it. Just like yeah. I'm 24 years into this, and I like I feel like I should know by now if it's Como or Como, but I really I, I don't know. It, it's also super ambiguous how my my name's supposed to be pronounced. Peugeot? Because like in yeah Peugeot, but like a lot of people say Peugeot, and like like the anglicization of my last name is basically arbitrary. Like people are like, oh, is it Peugeot or Peugeot? I'm like, I don't as long know. as you don't call me Pago, I think we're cool. <laughs> <laughs> don't ask me hard questions. I don't know how it's supposed yeah. to be said. I, I don't I don't understand. I was just born this way. <laughs> uh, it, it's also pretty weird because like my last name is a homophone, but it isn't spelt the same way as a both a car company. Peugeot? A, yeah, there's a there's a Peugeot car, but it's spelt differently. Is it really? And there's also an economist. Oh. Like, there's a thing called Peugeot and Taxes Peugeot that are based taxes? off of the work of a British economist named Peugeot. <laughs> huh. I never knew that. I've always just thought you were the only one. Yeah. So, like, I know this because every once in a while I'll introduce myself like, hi, my name's Jessica Peugeot. And people are like, oh, like the car? Or they're like, oh, like the economist? And I'm like, I guess there's a car? <laughs> <laughs> I like that you know the economist, but not the car. That's like peak Jessica. <laughs> <laughs> That's just like who you are inside. I mean, like I know what Peugeot and taxes, but I didn't think there was like, and it's like a high end, really nice, like supercar. <laughs> and and I'm just like, cool. <laughs> I don't think I'm related to them, so that whoever this is named after, so it doesn't matter. As far as I know, my cousins are not cars. I come from a long line of motor vehicles, <laughs> but the kind of motor vehicles. My family drive are tractors. Absolute tractors. <laughs> Every now and then you just share details about you and then I feel <laughs> sad all over again. <laughs> some of them, some people, when people really make it, uh, they are able to buy, you know, themselves like a nice combine harvester. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and you went into this, academia. This, of course, is on my father's side of the family. On my mother's side of the family, they scavenge dead vehicles from junkyards and make themselves Franken-cars. I was going to say, so you're the black sheep of the family then. You you moved to the big city and just let down the whole family. It's just, they're just like, how do you get around? I mean, almost like, they just have these buses that roam <laughs> the streets and you can just get on. Searching for passengers. Hungry for travelers okay this is gonna get weird really quick so we're gonna we're gonna go into speaking it will get weirder than this you may think that like oh this is just jessica you know losing her shit at the beginning of the episode before anything really gets strange it gets stranger it gets weirder this is a fucked up it's a janelle week i picked the topic this this week this is this topic is gonna make me seem normal oh for sure (laughs) it is so since it's a janelle week i picked something that is about psychology and that is also fucked up what a strange choice on my end what are you doing um 
I'm not doing anything. <laughs> what the? Are you just recording this from inside your couch? <laughs> I'm just I've wrapped myself in a series of blankets it's a lot like being back inside the womb <laughs> I just I, I don't need to know anymore about that <laughs> you, you were Jessica live from inside a blanket fort a blanket womb a blanket womb <laughs> I assume you record this alone I, there's no way anyone else is witness to this <laughs> I have I have a full audience, <laughs> just silent, staring, a sea of faces. That's how you sleep at night, just faceless beings watching over you. I can't I can't really sleep unless at least three different apparitions are watching me from a, a series of angles. <laughs> Great, I'm gonna give you a discount on therapy someday. <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 the real reason I'm excited about you taking furthering your education in psychology i'm just like oh man that's really gonna help me out it's the same th- reason why i'm really excited that so many of my friends are becoming defense lawyers <laughs> and get the family discount this will be useful in the future this is gonna save me a lot of money <laughs> glad to be of service uh, so this week we're talking about uh folie adieu this is a psychological phenomenon that literally translates to the madness of two So this is a form of shared psychosis where the delusions and hallucinations of one person are shared to one or more people. Exciting. Very exciting. I can't think of anything more intimate than sharing your delusions with a loved one. Right. You can share toothbrushes. You can share... Um, I don't know what else is it. You could. There's all kinds of things you can share, but you don't share. We don't understand intimacy here until you've shared. Presumably, you share somebody's things. like belief that the government is spying on them with their toothbrush. That's a whole new level of intimacy. So there's there's so many good cases of this that I wanted to cover, but like the most interesting case ended up being an episode in and of itself. So we're talking about the Pepin sisters this week. And they are a delightful pair of girls. Oh, they're a delightful pair of girls who lived at, in 1930s France. And they are one of the early cases of folie adieu. And they are fascinating. But to start with, we're going to go over some basic information about the disorder and how it works. When it says folie adieu... Learning! Learning! Um, the more you know. So it it literally translates to the madness of two but, like, fear not, you can have group psychosis. Like, you don't have to mm-hmm. just pick one person here. So there's folie à trois, folie à famille, folie à plusieurs, which I'm sure I just butchered the pronunciation of all three of those. Folie à plusieurs. Actually, you're quite close. I grew up, like, around um, French people, but, it, like, you not... You barely make me want to stab myself in the ear. That is high it's, praise. It's impressive. Yeah, well, despite the name of the podcast, only one of us speaks French. <laughs> we are French in the ethnic sense. I'm I'm ethnically Acadian. I'm not. <laughs> I'm a bad Acadian. I eat, I eat sugar pie and don't speak the language. <laughs> it's about as Acadian as I get. There's a lot of there's a lot of uncomfortable French names that I'm going to butcher. So Jessica's just here to correct me through this whole. Yes, episode. like I'm just. I think by the end of this, I'm just going to be slowly bleeding out of one ear. And, and whimpering, just silent. Bleed quietly. That's all that I ask. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in the DSM, this this disorder actually made it into the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual. Statistic. I feel like I just butchered that. Why are you having trouble with the English? I don't know. Also, like I use that the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, which is like a thing I use at work. So I should probably know 
Like I keep it under my pillow. Oh, because you sleep at a 90 degree angle? It's huge. Um, <laughs> oh my god. It helps, helps me with the asthma. <laughs> yeah, just mm, straighten that spine. <laughs> so in the- it like, explains a lot about how like I, I, I always walk with a bit of a hunch. <laughs> it's because I'm sleeping on the DSM for like reasons probably explained in the DSM. <laughs> um, for those of you who don't know, the DSM is sort of the Bible of mental disorders. It's it is the go to. It's the go to in North it America. Is... It's not necessarily outside of North America. Um, if you walk into a psychologist's office and you cannot immediately spot the DSM, run, run. Not a real get out of there. Uh, so in the DSM, uh, folie adieu is listed as shared psychotic disorder, and in the ICD-10, which is the International Statistical Classification of Diseases and Related Health Problems. Which doesn't feel like an acronym that works out to ICD, but whatever. What do I know? That's kind of the Bible of diseases that's used. It's probably not in English. <laughs> no, it's not, but it's used. It's The acronym is probably of a different language. Or like it, it was originally the acronym and they just don't want to change it. Um, that's the World <laughs> Health Organization's list of diseases. It's used around the world. They list uh, folie adieu as induced delusional disorder, but like... No matter what you call it, it's bad. <laughs> like, you don't want it and it's bad. Mm, it's basically not good. It's not good. This isn't one of those fun mental disorders. This is not a... This, I mean, very few of them are, but this is like an especially not fun... I mean, mine are pretty fun, but are like... They, though? They are some... They are occasionally fun. Uh, well, They've made me a delightful aunt. I'm gonna... I'm gonna take your word for it. <laughs> Children like me. Mostly. Get back in your windowless panel van. <laughs> so, folie adieu was discovered in 19th century France, which is why I got the French name, and it's sometimes referred to... Oh, I'm really going to fuck this up. It's sometimes referred to as la Fallet syndrome. I have literally no idea what you said. Yeah, I, it's names. It's people's names. You're not going to know what it says. It's just... It's named after the people who discovered it. That's, that's what happens with diseases. I mean, like, if you're truly great one day, a horrible disease will be named after you, Janelle. Yeah, like, it'll be like Como syndrome, and it'll have something to do with stabbing owls. <laughs> you think that's what I'm going to discover? That's yeah, you're going to the peak of my career. You're going to figure out all these owl stabbings that have been going on. <laughs> Just yeah, that's going to be my claim to fame. Well, if you if you stab an owl and you want to talk about it, shoot me an email. I guess <laughs> I want to hear from you. I'll be your first patient. Oh. Patients never end up in the in the actual name of the disorder. No, it's always it's always a doctor. So there's nobody going to have to be there's no there's nobody who's going to have to pronounce like you know Como Peugeot because you can't not gonna, you're not going to co-discover the owl you're just going to stab owls for me the seg falre the seg falre did you go on Wikipedia just now yes <laughs> okay Perfect. I was curious all right well that's what it is but uh, we're going to go with folie adieu for the rest of the episode for it's just fun to say so yeah it has less <laughs> in it exactly. Um, so folie adieu, it usually occurs in people who have these sort of very close, interdependent, like, toxically close relationships. Um, mm. and people who are, like, socially and physically isolated from other people. Like, you and your, like, buddy that you, like, Jessica and I are not going to develop folie adieu, uh, no, <laughs> via we're Skype. Too separated we're by too separated time by time and distance. Oh, she's too far from me. Um, and also we have, like, other people in our lives. Like, you know, yeah. we're, we're talking to other people and I don't just Skype you every day to talk about shit. I mean, Janelle has other people in her life. <laughs> this is all I have. Oh, oh my, but Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's you and it is my family and I do not understand what normal people are like anymore. Oh, great. But 
sort of a way to think about it is the people who decide what normal is for you are the people you interact with. Yeah. And generally speaking, most of us interact with a broad enough range of people that our thermometer for what is normal is generally pretty well tuned. Yeah. Well, and like, we're social animals, right? It's not good for you to be isolated. You go- Allegedly. You go a little crazy. No, not allegedly. Go outside. Allegedly. Go outside. Like, not now. It's like one o'clock in the morning, but- like, I do go outside. I go outside to howl. <laughs> I, need, I need to check on you more. Um, there's a- We're going back to- We're going back to crazy people. We're going to power through this. Uh, there are two kinds of folie adieu. There's folie imposé. This is when you have sort of a dominant and a like submissive, not submissive, but you have a dominant and a weaker person in the relationship. So this is where you have like a dominant person who's the primary source of crazy and they inflict their delusions and hallucinations on like the weaker person. So mm -hmm. in theory, the second person would never become deluded at all if it wasn't for the influence of the dominant person. Um, yeah, like this is, this is, this is yeah. This is an abusive relationship. It's the more well, you it's it, it's one person who's basically trapped on an island with a crazy person, and for the sake of their like, this is sort of like seems like it would be a normal psychological process for survival, where if you are trapped on an island with a crazy person, you just have to start to see they're crazy as normal because otherwise it's going to lead to conflict. Yeah, <laughs> and when you have two people who are in this situation that get admitted to hospital simultaneously, the second person's delusions clear up without medication, which is not true of the dominant person. They usually have, like, a genuine psychological disorder. So the, the, like they, have, they have crazy classic, and the other person has diet crazy. Basically. Yes, diet crazy, new crazy, whatever you want to call it. Um, crazy zero. Crazy, I like crazy zero. Crazy, crazy cherry, crazy vanilla. Vanilla crazy just feels like run-of-the-mill crazy. Just mm -hmm. regular old crazy. It's it's just it's what it's what makes your mom and your and your fun aunt post all of those minion memes on Facebook. Your aunt's not that's fun. vanilla. Your, crazy. your aunt is not vanilla crazy. Your aunt is like fucking lime aunts, flavored some cherry of them are blaster crazy. crazy. <laughs> and some of them are straight up like three different types of soda you all poured in with some moonshine into a bucket. Crazy. Yeah, that's that describes your aunt. Probably hope she never hears this. Um, she probably won't. I'm going to put a strong language <laughs> marker on it, and then they'll never open it. They'll never touch She'll it. She'll never know. Perfect. She, she doesn't like swear words. Perfect. They offend her. <laughs> Uh, so just remember to say fuck once an episode and she'll never know. I, yeah, I was thinking about that today. I was like, do we do we need to put a language warning on this podcast? And I was like, I definitely say fuck. Like every <laughs> third word. We There's there's no way I didn't go. We've recorded like nine or ten episodes yes. at this point. I've, I've said fuck at some point. I just did it. it, it it's basically good. compulsive. You're probably not even aware of it at this I point. I don't. It's just, it's like a verbal tick. The second kind of, of folie adieu is folie simultané. This is when like... Both people are kookalooch, and they decide to share each other's delusions. They bond over their kookalooch. Yeah, it's basically what happens when you put, like, two unmedicated schizophrenics in a house together. Yeah, and they just become best friends. Well, they, they start believing the same crazy things, right? Like, mm -hmm. independently, they like, might have different it's beliefs. Like when, it's like when si women live in a dorm together and they become very close. Their cycles I was gonna say, are you really comparing this to two people's cycles sinking? All right, we Basically. we went there. Okay, yeah, I will go there. So independently, like two people normalize schizophrenia. I mean, yeah, like not to judge anybody with with hallucinations or delusions. Like shit happens. This is just, it's just yeah, it's that's fascinating that's how it plays out. It's life, but it's fascinating how it plays out 
in a social situation. So when you have two people that have un- untreated delusions, when you have, you know, one person believes that they're being watched or persecuted and one person believes that, like, the water's poison, when you put them together, they come to believe the same things, yeah. which is interesting. And, I mean, this already explains so much about the guy on the subway who told me that he was, like, asked me if I if I knew a lot about Jesus and then told me about how Jesus was keeping him safe from... The reptilians, I think it was. And you know <laughs> oh. what? I was really glad for him. I was gonna say, I like, was glad that that the reptilians can't you know, get him. They're real. That the reptilians that Jesus is protecting him from the reptilians. That's a nice thing for Jesus. Like to I do. found that genuinely comforting. <laughs> All right, you, you and Lizard Man. Um, <laughs> perfect. I think we bonded. That's great. Uh, well, we the thing about folia do is that we have we don't really understand how it works or actually even how to diagnose it. Because there's kind of a fine line between, like, shared delusion and culture. So, like, if two... Yeah. yeah, because if two people believe that the refrigerator is spying on them, that's delusion. But, like, if a billion people believe that a talking snake tricked a woman into eating fruit and then doomed humanity for all of eternity, that's a religion. <laughs> Absolutely. Right? So, like... Absolutely. Like, in all seriousness... Like... Yeah. When the, when the Romans, back in the day... Well, like, like, this often gets, like, talks about, like, oh, well, they, they persecuted the Christians. All they knew was this random cult kept talking, calling each other brother and sister all the time, and they had a regular ritual where they symbolically ate their god. Yeah. <laughs> That's all you know. That seems insane. I mean, when you put it like that. <laughs> like, in all seriousness, though, if, if an entire family... The Eucharist is, is ritual cannibalism. Mmm... <laughs> <laughs> Carbs. Mm, tasty Jesus. <laughs> Actually, it's not. It's awful. It's like eating a piece of dust. <laughs> it depends on the bread you get. Gonna, like, if you've got a cool pasta, you're going to get some good bread. No, the little like pressed ones that you oh, yeah, buy those are gross. 10,000 pack. Yeah, those are not good. Blah. <laughs> Jesus sticks to the roof of your mouth. <laughs> mm, Jesus is chalky. <laughs> I'm going to put that on your tombstone someday. <laughs> Jessica. Mm, Jesus. Make sure you get the mm in there. Mm, Jesus is jockey. Like, that's your epitaph right there. Um, <laughs> that, that's how who I shall be known throughout. Yeah. That, that's what people know about me through the ages. Through the ages. Mm, Jesus is jockey. <laughs> but, like, like, in all seriousness, if you have an entire family that believe that, like, gluten is poison and, like, vaccines are evil, are they suffering from a shared delusion? Is that a diagnosable condition? Like, we don't yeah, really or know. Or is that just... Or is that just, like, the particular culture of the family? Yeah. At a certain point, these distinctions get very blurry. They do. So this is kind of one of the problems with folia do that makes it hard to diagnose. Like, people believe irrational things without being psychotic all the time. Yeah, like, no one you know does not think something completely irrational. Right, and people pass those beliefs on to others. Like, the, the anti-vax movement is gaining is gaining steam. Tons of ground, absolutely. Yeah, and people are treating their kids' diseases with onions and maple syrup instead of antibiotics. So, like, is, are they, are this, is this a shared delusion, or are they just sort of wrong? Like, these, mm-hmm. these aren't low-stakes beliefs. Like, kids have died from these kinds of beliefs, but it's, it's hard to tell at what point do you... Tons of them. Yeah, at what point do you actually diagnose them as delusional? Yeah, and where, like, at what point does a strange belief become a delusion? And at what point does it just become a culture? And the other thing is that, like, if a large group of people share a brief delusion, it's no longer considered folie adieu. 
it's considered mass hysteria, which is a separate yes. thing. And like, is there's just so many good ones that I will cover those in a future episode. Oh, I fucking love mass hysteria. Like being part of it or just the existence of it? Uh, causing it mostly. <laughs> oh, oh, good. I can t- you know, you know what You know what's always really <laughs> bothered me on this whole like crazy versus cultural thing? When you as a completely sober single person try to take a bath in a fountain, people get really offended. But if like... It was, like, 3 o'clock in the morning and you had at least two buddies and you appeared intoxicated. It would just be all good fun. Is it, though? (laughs) I feel like you still get in trouble for doing that. (laughs) You get in less trouble. I don't think... People are less judgy. I don't... What? Like, is this something... The police are equally judgy either way, but people in general are less judgy. Do you have personal experience based on drunk fountain bathing? No. I was the other option. What? <laughs> I was non-drunk fountain bathing. Thank you. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, you need to go outside. Actually, no. You are judging. I'm judging. I'm, I'm judging right now. So hard right now. Oh, oh my god. If they didn't want me to swim in it, why do they put money in it? Think about it. <laughs> I can't. I can't. <laughs> they are paying me. Paying me to swim in a fountain. <laughs> I'm being financially I, I revise my earlier statement. Don't go outside. Don't bad things happen. <laughs> but how will I howl? <laughs> What's interesting with we're going back to the podcast. What's interesting is that like one thing that we do know is that there was a military incapacitating agent called Agent BZ from the late 1960s which actually caused folie adieu. Ooh, I haven't heard about this. So, like, two people, they, I don't know, people apparently sign up to test military incapacitating agents. They probably pay them. I I imagine. No one's just like, do you want to get crop dusted with it? Like, they're like, hey, you, all you homeless people, do you want to eat this? (laughs) You don't need to know what it is. Don't worry about it. Oh, no. I feel like that's, that's been done repeatedly. It definitely has. Yeah. The CIA has definitely just gone out onto the street just found some people lined up at the side of the road, you know, selling their wares and just went, hey guys, you know how you would make way more money than just by selling oranges? Taking this weird pill of mine. Come on, get in the van. Well, like the people who were poisoned with BZ, in the in the notes on the chemical agent, two of them were reported to be passing back and forth an imaginary cigarette that only the two of them could see. Like a joint <laughs> smoking a cigarette together that didn't exist. Which is kind of cute and also horrifying. That's adorable. This would wear off. This would last three to four days and then it like, would wear off. Like if they were three, that would be so cute. <laughs> it would. Be. I mean, it's kind of funny though because this is like the one thing that we've, it's the only time we've ever been able to like induce it as far as I can tell. And like most incapacitating agents sort of like they can make you confused and stuff, but normally it's not a social thing. And in this case it was, which is, is so interesting. Mm. Yeah. Usually it would be like everybody's having different delusions yeah. and nobody has sharing. sharing them, but I just thought that was interesting. So the the case that I want to talk about, the one that's so interesting, is the case of Christine and Leah Pepin. Actually, I I don't know. It's L E A. Is that Leah? Leah? Leah. Leah. Okay, in my head. Yeah, the little the little accent, the little duck, the little bit of duck fly dirt on. Is the that his e real name? Makes it A. Is that a duck? Hmm? Is that what it's called? It's not a duck. I, th- um, I was like, that sounds like a made up thing. A duck is just something my mother usually says to mean thing. They, like, there's a little duck over there. So oh. that is that is rural Albertan talk. That's rural <laughs> Albertan for my mom always says accented thingy, goo, which I always didn't think was the correct word either. That is, it is an accent. It is an accent. It is an accent aigu. Oh. And the accent that goes the other way is an accent grave. Oh, my mom was right. 
And the little Sorry, hat mom. is an accent circumflex. Sweet. Like yeah. nine years of post-secondary did you well. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so the Pepin sisters, Christine and I guess uh, Lea, were a very famous case of folia du imposé, where one of them was the dominant source of the delusion from early mm-hmm. 20th century France. And there's a lot of information about them because intellectuals of the day wrote about this case at length. Normally, oh, yeah. yeah, this was popular. This was really popular. This is a murder case. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. It is right up there with Watson and Holmes. It is exciting. It's exciting. And normally, actually, in this story, the Pepin sisters are kind of cast as like the noble victims of class struggle. They're not usually villainized in in their own case, but um, which would which is odd, which is considering odd. the eye gouging. Well, we'll get to the eye gouging, but yeah, we'll see what you think of them by the end of this. So, to give some background on like the the environment that these sisters came out of, so back in the early 1900s, Gustave and Clemence Pepin gave birth to three daughters. Gustave, the father, was considered an abusive drunk by turn of the 20th century standards. Like, think Which about means, that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, in, in like, writings of the day, he's referred to as an abusive drunk. <laughs> like, he was the kind of person, like, everybody else who who was around then was just like, whoa, that guy, man. Right, like, it was irresponsible I mean, not to beat your kids at this point in human history. Yeah, like, at this <laughs> point, like, you were considered a good parent if you by beating your, your children regularly. twice a day on principle. Right. Like, that was good parenting. Yeah, so he's, so he sucks. And, like, <laughs> if you're the kind of person who doesn't, like, down a bottle of whiskey every hour on the hour, you're considered a bit of a lightweight. Dude, it's Fritz. Like, he, he, he's an alcoholic yeah. in France. In France! <laughs> in France! Over a hundred years ago, he's considered an alcoholic. Yeah, I, like, I mean, this guy was... Children drink wine there. This guy was, like, embalmed, like, 40 years before he actually died. <laughs> You're just... Yeah, he's probably... Pickled. If you dug him up today, he'd probably look fresh as a daisy. Oh my god. Um, the mother, Clemence, was considered a woman of low morals and an unfit mother. Which, like, is normally just, like, a degrading thing you s- they say about poor, unwed mothers. It's mostly just a slur against people yeah. who, like, don't have the kind of money not to have to have sex with strange men yeah. and don't have husbands. No, like, I'm actually... It's, it's normally a slur against the unfortunate for doing what they have to do. Usually, but in this case, like, I'm on the public side. Clemence sucks. <laughs> She's an awful woman. <laughs> she, um... She should not have children. She should children. not have had children. Prior to the birth of her daughter, she had a reputation as being promiscuous and flighty, and she only married Gustave because she became pregnant with his first child. That's not a good reason. No, it's not. Don't that do is... that. It's never been a good reason. So they had their yeah, first... Like, yeah. It makes sense given the morals of the day and the values of the day, yeah, but it's not, it's a, not good a good idea. idea. So they had their first... It leads to bad things. It's bad. Their daughter, Amelia... If you wouldn't marry him before he knocked you up, don't marry don't him Don't marry after. him afterwards. <laughs> Uh, their daughter Amelia was born in 1901, and Clemence did not fucking cope well. She couldn't handle it. And then she got pregnant again, and Christine, the one of the daughters in question, came along in 1905, and Clemence could not handle two children, so she sent Christine away. Yeah, like, she couldn't handle having one. No. She's definitely not gonna handle having two. No, so Christine was sent away like, to live. My mother was a perfectly psychologically healthy woman, and she had three of us under the age of four at the same time, and it it nearly drove her mad. I would have like, released you into the woods. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't doubt that she was tempted. Yeah. So Clemence decided she couldn't handle this, and she sent Christine away to live with her sister-in-law. So Christine partially grew up with an aunt. And then Lea, the last one, was born in 1911. For, some, for whatever reason, Clemence could cope with that better. Um, but shortly after Lea was born, Clemence discovered that her husband was molesting 
Emilia, the, who is now 10 years old at this point. The eldest. So this is why this is why Clemens is a monster. Clemens got angry at Emilia for this. Oh, good. Well, yeah, and she accused her 10-year-old of seducing her own father. So, Clearly. Yeah. So this is why. The harlot. When that, like, when I first read this, it was like, I, I saw the, the passenger that said that Clemence was considered like a woman of low morals, and I had sympathy for her. And the, no, Clemence sucks. <laughs> Fuck Clemence. So hard. Specifically for this. Yeah. This is bad this enough. This is bad. To erase any goodness she might have had. Oh, yeah. I was like, this you know what? Terrible. She was overwhelmed. She couldn't cope. Whatever. No. Fuck Clemence. Yeah, like you find out you f- you find out your asshole drunkard husband is molesting your kid, and then you feel jealous of the child. Yeah, you suck <laughs> as a person and a parent and like a human. Like you're just you're not good. You're not good at anything. No, bad. And I do not think that like early twentieth century France thought this was cool. No. Um. So to punish this is not like one of those. Well, by the standard, no, this is not by no, the standards by the of the standard day. Of the this day. is terrible. Child abuse has been like sexually abusing children has been bad pretty much forever. Everyone has agreed it's not cool. Nope. <laughs> so to punish Amelia, she sent Amelia away to the strictest, harshest convent she could find, and she she filed for divorce from the father. And then out of spite, like out of pure spite, she removed Christine from her aunt's house. Which was like, by all accounts, like, like from what I read, was a loving, happy home, and just shipped her off to the same convent just to spite Why? her. Why? I don't know. And then just just fuck everyone who I've ever given birth to. Yeah, and then she sent Leia away. To Clearly, live with, they're all whores who want to steal my husband. Basically, off to the convent with you. But except for Leia, Leia the youngest went to go live with a great uncle for some reason. I've never like I don't know. These two go to the convent, but you go to the. This uh, was lost place. to history. I don't know. She's a monster. Except, like, it turns... You're my favorite child. You get less abuse. You get less abuse. Uh, it turns out that Clemence, like, isn't even good at child abuse because the girls loved the convent. <laughs> <laughs> um, she sent them to a literal nunnery, and that was the best place they'd ever lived. Yeah, because, like, instead of having, like, drunken, violent abuse all the time... They now had, like, stability. Food. And, like, stability. Like, and nuns who were strict but consistent. Well, yeah, like, nuns tend to, like, you know, I'm sure nuns slap the kids around, but nuns don't tend to, like, come home drunk and then molest the children. Like, that's not... Mm-hmm. That's usually... So, like, they were free from sexual abuse for the first time probably ever. And they were... They flourished. Like, they thrived at this convent. So much so that... Yeah, because, you know, e- even if you are corporally punished is not happening in anger it's, it's consistent not an actual danger to you well and, yeah and like one of the worst things about a ab- growing up in an abusive home is that you never know what's going to happen and you don't have strong expectations so you are constantly hyper vigilant and afraid because you do not know what is going to set off the next explosion no exactly but when you know exactly what is going to get you a beating you're just like yeah, getting a beating isn't great, but you know how to avoid it. Yeah, so um, Amelia liked the convent so much that when she came of age, she took the the vows to become a novice. She became a nun. And then Christine was extremely close to her older sister, and she wanted to do the same thing. And when Clemence found out that Amelia had taken the vows, she freaked the fuck out. Because, like, <laughs> Why? because she wasn't done abusing them I'm yet. I'm so ashamed of my daughter. No, she, she wants to be a she nun. She wasn't done abusing them yet. She had been planning <laughs> to make the girls work. You, you want to dedicate yourself to God? What daughter of mine are you? No, she was. She freaked out because she wanted her daughters to work as live-in maids when they came of age and then send her all their wages. 
So she wanted mm. to like oh, basically pimp so her she kids out. Exploit them. Yeah, she okay. wanted to pimp no, them those out. Those don't as... make a lot of money. That makes sense. No, she wanted to pimp them out as wage slaves, basically. So as soon as Amelia took the vows, ah, uh, family. Exactly. So she yanked. I remember when I became of age and my mother sent me out, <laughs> sent of, the me home out of the to home. Learn a living. <laughs> Your parents sent you oh, to university times. five hours away. <laughs> For like seven years, <laughs> you haven't like earned money in like more of. <laughs> no, I am. I am an active money sink. <laughs> you are not a good financial decision. I uh, this was not a great choice on their part. <laughs> Basically, their primary thought pattern was just like because like I come from a working class family. They were just like, well, she's allergic to most chemicals. That are used in the oil field <laughs> to the extent that we have to wash when we get our overalls when we get home immediately or she'll swell up like a, a like a tomato. <laughs> and whenever time she goes into a su- the sun, she faints. I guess <laughs> we're going to have to send her to university. You're too delicate for blue collar oil field work. That, that was basically the thought. They're just, they're just like... She- most, most parents are just like, ah, oh, if only we will be able to get one day, send our daughter to university. And my, my parents are just like, she's not really good for anything else. Why do, why do your smart, parents though, have I guess. French accents when you imitate them? <laughs> my father has a French Does accent. Does he really? I've never met well, He did when I was a kid. I've never met your father. I don't, that's news to me. Yeah, like, it's not obvious now, but like, I for the longest time early in my childhood, I referred to grilled cheese as Girled cheese, <laughs> because that was my father's accent, and he always made grilled cheese. Oh, that's a cute story. Um, so, um, yeah, and my, my aunt, my aunt, had, when she who taught me how to th- sew, would always say, "Ah, oh, yes, you know, take the thread, and 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 put it through, and stuff like that." That's like the first story you've told about your family on this podcast that isn't horrifying. <laughs> it's rather sweet, isn't it's it? Kinda, it's kind of like the know. first cute story you've ever told. Uh, how about the fact that like every time my my parents hugged me from getting home from work, I just swole up because then they figured out I was allergic to everything. Okay, they less, worked with. it was a, it was a partially cute story. It wasn't entirely. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, you laugh like a kettle. Um, <laughs> it's because I'm trying not to wake them up. Oh my god. So like the as soon as like Amelia and had um had taken the vows, Clement plucked Christine out of the convent and she sent her to go work as a maid. So she was like, shit, I'm losing my opportunity. Like, wage slavery. So she, they lived in La Mans. Make mama some money. Yeah, they lived in La Mans, France. I have no thoughts either way about that down. I don't know. Bed's a shithole. Is it? Okay. I have, I have absolutely no justification for this. I'm just going to, out of arbitrary spite... Okay, good. I'm, I'm just going to decide that it's an awful place. I think it has rich people. Where I think it... the mayor, the mayor is a is a literal chimpanzee, <laughs> and the, the, streets the, the local currency is actual raw sewage. <laughs> right. Okay, well. I have no justification by it for this, but I stand you by stand it. stand by it. All right. So Christine went to go work in the in the middle class households of Le Mans, and by all accounts, like she was pretty good at it. Like she was a good housekeeper. Her employers were for the most part very happy with her, but her mother was unhappy with how little she was being paid. Like this was not a lucrative profession. It's it's still not. But like no, it's, it's in the nineteen twenties and mopping 30s, things for people who'd rather not has never been a good way to make money. No. So her mother was always unhappy with how little she was being paid, and she would just force Christine to quit dozens of jobs. So she was basically, like, the original helicopter parent. So, like, you're not making enough money, go find something somewhere else, even though, like, this is a realistic 
big amount of money for the job. At and the it's day, yeah. Of the day. Like, this is, like, roughly the market value of the work she's doing. And her mother's just forcing her to quit making over her and over again. Again and again. Yeah. Eventually, when Leia kind of... Even though that seems like like that would give you a very spotty, poor resume. Of course it would. So she pulled Leia out of the great uncle's house as soon as she became... I don't know what of age is in early 20... I, I seem like 14. Yeah, basically just the point at which forcing you to work 12 hours is not child abuse. Exactly. Um, I don't know, it's like Industrial Revolution France, so I, they may have played fast and loose with that one. <laughs> you are finally old enough to lose your finger in a, in a machine. <laughs> <Yeah>. Congratulations. <laughs> Here is your bucket and your mop. <laughs> what job are you doing that you can lose your fingers and you have a bucket and a mop? Probably uh, cleaning a textile mill. Oh, man. That was a joke that I never said. Um... <laughs> <laughs> that was too serious of an answer. Too serious. <laughs> so Leia and Christine had not been raised together. Like the first time they kind of hung out with each other was as like teenagers mm-hmm. slash young adults, but they quickly became very close to each other and like they would spend all of their free time together and eventually like they went to work together. So in 1926, when Christine was 21, she was hired as a maid slash cook by the Lancelin family. So Monsieur Lassalin was a retired lawyer, and he lived with his wife, Leonie, and his adult daughter, Genevieve. I told you, like, the French names are going to kill me in this episode. You're doing very well. well. Thank you. I grew up, like, I have a French name. I had, to, I had to have some, I had to have some ability to pronounce this stuff. So a few months after Christine was hired, they talked. But it is pronounced Lassalin. Lassalin? Yeah, it's only the two Lassalin. Oh. It's only the two, uh, the two, uh, syllables. Well, the, the documentary I watched on this pronounced it as Lancelin, and the whole time I was like, I could just feel Jessica's, like... <laughs> it's just, 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 there's, like, I'm just having heart palpitations, Imploding and I don't know herself. why. Lancelin. I was like, <laughs> I don't know much, but I know that you're fucking that up. <laughs> <laughs> that is wrong. That's wrong. <laughs> um, so a couple of months later, they talked the family into hiring her then 15-year-old sister, so we were not far off on the child abuse thing. <laughs> <laughs> we were about all, we, we were about, about there. spot on. So she got hired as a chambermaid. And by all accounts, like these girls were perfect servants. So they were super religious, which was very sought after in the day. They had no interest mm-hmm. in dating. They had no interest in going dancing, um, which was very sought after for a respectable family at the time. They had like no friends outside the house that anybody knew of, and they spent all their free time with each other. The only time the girls. Well, I mean, like dancing, it's basically vertical, ver- vertical prostitution. It, it's. Harlots. <laughs> like, it was the harlotry of the day. It's people have been outraged by young people dancing for decades. Yeah, just, just you know, like that. Like, it is still a thing in some places. Just like being proximate with the opposite sex and touching them and not immediately springing away is just very scandalous. It's it, yeah. It they can't have that kind of thing. If your skin does not hiss and bubble and burn the moment you are touched by a, a, a boy not immediately related to you, then you are you are clearly, clearly a prostitute. <laughs> like that or you're like allergic to men. <laughs> One or the other. Yeah. So the only time the girls left the house other than doing errands was to go to church on Sunday. And the only other place they ever went was to visit a fortune teller who believed that they had been a married couple in a past life. Um, so that that part's a little bit strange. 
Good, good. Yeah, there's actually quite a That's few a bit, bit like weird. strange things about the girls when you sort of look into it. The the family considered them to be the perfect servants, but a former employer had actually made a note that Christine was arrogant and domineering and that she refused to do tasks that were like that she felt was beneath her. Which like below her dignity. I mean, in fairness to Christine, if a task is too disgusting for an early twentieth century French maid, like it's it's probably it's genuinely probably just horrifying. Vile. Just, all right, <laughs> time to hollow out this dog. Like, <laughs> I don't want to see that. Could you, would you mind making this 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 living dog into an umbrella holder? <laughs> like, like, what are you doing? Like, what are you asking? That's beneath a twentieth century. Here's French a maid. melon scoop. Get at it. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yeah, like, and 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 let's not let's be clear here. This is already incredibly unhealthy. Like, they may be matching up to the ideal servant of the day. Yeah, but there's a reason why it was so hard to meet that ideal. It's because it's not realistic, psychologically torment. It's not great. Um, it's not great. No, like if you like if the only person you're allowed to social like you re regularly socialize with is your sister. And the only time you are not a working or b in your in the in the same small room with her is when you go to church on Sunday for a couple hours. Yeah, that is not a big enough social circle. It's not. No, uh, these girls. It is depriving. These girls worked twelve to sixteen hour days, six days a week. Like there wasn't a whole lot of spare time, and like the only day they had off was basically Sunday to go to church and to do like for religious reasons. Yeah, and. Tr- not all churches are particularly sociable. No. So we don't even know how much they're talking to people at church. There's there's no, nothing, the records I could find, like, nobody seems and like they had any friends. you do not have a friendly relationship with your staff. Like, no. Between the staff and the That's actually the strange the part here. So, like, local shopkeepers reported that the girls were strange. They were distant, they were cold, they were peculiar. The Las Lans had no such complaints about them, and they got on well with the girls. Like, the girls... Mm. lived well for maids at the time they were given a heated room in the attic which apparently like heat was not something that everybody (laughs) provided their employees with at the time and they also had like domestics are like dogs you can just sort of leave them out in the cold pretty much and they had their room had a little balcony that overlooked the city which was like a major luxury for servants at the time See, oh, a view? Breathing in? A view of something that oh, yeah. isn't the, like a chamber pot? God, can you imagine though? Like, just just go breathe in that sweet, sweet industrial revolution <sighs> air. Like, <laughs> like this is this is the era in which pigs were roaming the streets of London because they ate the garbage and the shit off the streets. Mm-hmm. So appealing. <laughs> This this is the day and age in which, like, literal garbage scavenging vermin were not only a normal part of city life, but were actually a benefit. <laughs> oh, God. Like, it was actually a relief to have a neighborhood pig. <laughs> oh, God. They would have been better off. Because at, at their trial, like, I kind of assumed when I was first researching them that they were interacting with their employers, but, like, they had a really strange relationship with their employers. So, Madame Lanceline eventually discovers that the girls were sending all their wages to their mom, which was the whole point of them being maids, and she freaked out. So she told the girls, like, Hmm. to stop this. Like, she convinced the girls to keep their own wages, and she personally contacted their biological mother to let her know that she was being cut off, which, like, their mom didn't take well, but the woman convinced the girls basically to stand up for themselves and to, to keep yeah. their own money. So after that incident, they became so grateful, they began to refer to Leone as Maman. And, like, they called oh. her mom, and they referred to their biological mother as that woman. <laughs> <laughs> 
opposite fam. <laughs> so, like, based on this story, I kind of assumed they had a close relationship. But it turns out, like, they actually had very little contact with their employers. And, like, the relationship they had with their employers does not sound healthy. So at their eventual trial, Monsieur Lancelin revealed that he hadn't actually spoken a word to either of them in the final seven years of their employment. <laughs> seven, seven years without speaking like, to the help. Like, th- th- that has to be, like, a... Like, a kind of, like, division of labor, weird gender role He just, thing. he wasn't like, home. Presumably, yeah. someone has to give them orders. Well, that was Madame Lancelin's job, but she communicated to them mostly through written missives. She would give them notes about what they needed to do. She very rarely actually spoke to them. So they lived in... Okay. Yeah, even in the household, so they lived in isolation. who barely talked to them... Is their mom. And... They feel strongly enough about her, about the kindness she has done to them to call her not just like mother, they're calling her mom. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. That is not a person, like, those, those are not, those, that is. It's not healthy. That is a degree of affection starvation that is horrifying. Yeah, it is. So they, they, they lived in pretty much total isolation. The only people they ever spoke to were each other, which is not, it's not good. Not good. Like, I have a very close relationship with my sister, but if we spent that much time, it would get odd. <laughs> for sure. It would, it would get odd it gets very odd quick. fast. So, and they lived that way for seven years. So, Madame Lancelin, who became like a mother figure to the girls, she became more critical of them over the years. So she was actually, she was pretty harsh. She did the whole white glove check on the furniture, and she would force them to redo all the dusting if she wasn't satisfied. And, like, later on in their employment, there was an incident where she apparently pinched Leia so hard, she just pinched her extremely hard while she forced her to, like, kneel down and pick up a scrap of paper she'd missed while she was sweeping. So it was, it was a very minor thing, and she oh, freaked out. And then after the incident, Leia told her sister that if Madame Lancelin dared to do anything like that again, she would defend herself. Dun-dun-dun, basically. It's especially weird in, like, the day and age we exist in, where, like, you would never touch an employee like no, that. No, God, no. You would never but at the time, corporally punish an employee. Yeah, but at the time, but that was pretty normal. It was pretty wasn't normal, right, but, but still, still not it's like, still harsh. I will pinch you to the point where it is injurious yeah. for, like, dropping a piece. That is still extreme. It's still extreme, even for the day. Normally, you just yell at the help. You don't normally pinch Yeah, you don't them. normally, like, physically attack them um well this all led up to the day of february 2nd 1933 which is what they're known for this is what happens this day so on february 2nd monsieur laslan this is their 15 minutes of fame right well here. It, it's i mean it's it's 2017 and we're still talking about them so it's it's gone a little <laughs> beyond 15 minutes century well, you know coming up on it so on February, uh, how are you going to celebrate the anniversary? Oh God, <laughs> are we just going to have a party together? <laughs> just like I'm just I'm going to make some dummies and we're just going to have we're going to and get and some red jello cherry. Um, <laughs> Foreshadowing we're have a fun time. Yeah, <laughs> weird people. <laughs> so on February second, Monsieur Lancelin went to work during the day, and Madame Lancelin and Genevieve went out shopping for the day. And then from there, the whole family planned to go straight from whatever they were doing to Madame Lancelin's brother's house for dinner. And so they wouldn't be home until very late. Christine and Leia expected to have the place to themselves all day. Nobody was supposed to come home. So Leia's chore for the day was to take a broken iron to the electrician shop to be repaired because it had blown out a fuse in the house a couple of days prior. And Leia did this. 
when she got home, she... This was the back in the day when we fixed things. And yes, I, that was my about. first thought. I was like, well, I would never, like, <laughs> try to fix a broken iron. Fixing an iron? I know, I was, I was legitimately, like, it stood out to me when I was reading about this. I was like, oh. Back in the day when irons things. were valuable enough things that you didn't immediately chuck them and get another one. I also, like, was surprised, like, uh, I'm sure it's, like, historically ignorant of me that they had an electrical iron in 1933. I guess they were oh, rich, yeah, yeah. like... Yeah, like, not every house, I don't think, would have had electricity, but if you were well enough to do, to have servants, presumably you can also afford non-gas lighting. Yeah, the, the family, the house was electrically, did have electricity. So when Leia got home, she plugged in the iron, and I guess the electrician fucked up, because the fuse immediately blew again. And the sisters decided that, like, since the family wasn't going to be home until after dark anyway... They were going to be home extremely late. They would wait till the next morning to fuck around with the fuses. Like, this must have been a huge pain in the ass to replace a fuse in 1933. I don't know what was this was involved. But um, they decided not to do it. So sometime between 5.30 and 7 p.m. that evening, Leonie and Genevieve arrived home unexpectedly from their shopping trip and they found the house dark. And according to Christine, who's like probably not the most reliable source of information... Um, but probably for obvious, she have. is the only one we have. But like for for obvious reasons, she's probably not the most reliable source of information. Um, Leonie freaked out when she found the house dark, and she told Christina Leah that she would be taking the cost of the blown fuse out of their paychecks. And for reference, like one source I found said that they earned three thousand oh francs a year, which is just under two thousand dollars U.S. a year in today's money oh again i that's one source i found that in i don't know how accurate that is i didn't check but yeah it's 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 sometimes difficult because it's hard to track inflation of a currency that is no longer used so you'd you'd probably have to track it by purchasing power but it's not good three thousand francs is not a lot of money it's not a lot of money at all at all the franc was never a very powerful currency Oh, jeez. Yeah, so, like, it, it was... It's an ongoing theme like, that they were poor. taking a fuse out of that kind of paycheck is... That's... Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's well known that they were very poor. Like, they weren't they weren't well paid. They were, they were paid comparable to other maids, but, like, it wasn't a lot of money. Yeah. Like, this is not the kind of money where they would have been able to live independently. This is where they are highly dependent Yeah, room and board was part of the pay, right? Like, they were paid in room and board. It, yeah, like, if, if it wasn't for the fact that they're being fed and they're being housed, like, this would be poverty wages. They're basically being paid spending below. money. Everything else is provided mm-hmm. for them. Um, yes. So, in self-defense, which it's is, like... not, like, a lot of spending No, it's money. not. This is just enough to be told by the local uh, the local charlatan that you guys were lovers of past Pretty life. much. Um, not that they have time to go shopping. They work 16 hours a day. So, like, in, like, self-defense, which is kind of like an air quote self-defense, because, again, like, this is Christine saying this, um, she smashed Leonie in the head with a fucking pewter jug, which, like, holy shit, that's gotta hurt. Ooh. They made heavy jugs is, back. The pewter's heavy. Pewter, yeah, pewter is, yo. It's heavy. Yeah, it's, like, it's, it's sometimes hard to understand, because, like, we have these new lightweight jugs and pans, but, like, if you've ever, like, picked up a cast iron pan. Anything from the 1930s is heavy. Heavy. So she smashes Leonie in the head with this and then... S- Which does not make the legal standard for proportional I'm self-defense. gonna go with no. And, um, <laughs> she's... 
I, I'm friends with a couple couple lawyers, and they would disagree. I, I, yeah. They would also say, why are you asking, Jessica? Please don't tell me you're hiring me. No, no, not again. <laughs> Our lawyer friends communicate with us mostly in screams. <laughs> <laughs> just just horrified winces and, and howls of terror. That's great. There's a lot of howling that goes on in your life. Howling is fun. So, Christine screams, I'm going to massacre them. And Genevieve jumps in to defend her mother, obviously. So Leia heard the commotion. From how old is she? Genevieve? She's a, it just says she's an adult daughter. I. It's not in my notes how old she is, okay. but she's she's an adult. Not relevant. Not relevant. I'm sure she's in her like late 20s, early 30s. Um, not a small child. No, okay, she's not she's a child. An she's an adult daughter. daughter. Leia heard the commotion from another room, and she rushed in to defend Christine from Madame Lancelin, who was apparently a fucking beast. Because she <laughs> she recovered from being smashed in the head with a fucking pewter jug and went back to fighting. Man, that adrenaline must be something. Oh my god, right? So Christine orders Leah to Leah to. I'm gonna stay down if that happens to yeah, me. Yeah, you stay down. Somebody hits you with a pewter jug in the head, you stay down. You don't pop up and keep fighting. Like and like, I don't think I don't think if Madame Lancelin was like a like. Oh, like a heavyweight boxer or something. She's probably not used to this kind of rough treatment. There's like I'm I'm guessing two jobs available for women at this age, and like neither of them is heavyweight boxer. Yeah, one Prize of them is fighter. Maid, it's like maid and prostitute. The other one. <laughs> Yeah, like it's just like mater prostitute. Yeah, like prize <laughs> prize fighter is not in the cards here. There might be the odd shopkeeper. <laughs> <laughs> so Christine orders Leia to smash her head in and pluck out her eyes, which they did. <laughs> like pfft. right on it, boss. This is a gross. See, episode, they were by ideal the maids. <laughs> yeah. Very good at following instruction to the letter. Too literal. No interpretation. Too literal. So they did. <laughs> um, and since their victims were now both blind and unable to defend themselves, Christine and Leia searched the house for weapons, and they came back with a hammer and a knife. So, um, oh, they're not dead. No, yet. they're not dead. Oh, I assumed. I assumed the eye plucking was post mortem. No, no, no. I was way I, more comfortable. I don't. With that. I don't think it was. No. They were, like, the... The living... I think we've hit the point where, like, it makes me uncomfortable. It is extant living eye plucking. Yeah, like, one of the sources I read described them as, like, dazed. And I was like, oh, fuck, they're not dead. Oh, God. Oh. So, like, this actually... I, I was hoping they weren't feeling anything oh, anymore. No, I, I think they were alive for this. So they... they The episode gets way grosser after this. <laughs> Hang in there. Warning. This, yeah, pretty much. This wasn't the this gross wasn't bit. This wasn't the gross part. So they beat the two women to death from there. With the pewter jug. With hammers. With the pewter jug. Oh. And the hammer. And they would, like, one of them would beat one. Well, at least they weren't sharing the jug. They were. They would switch weapons periodically. Like, for variety, I guess. I don't know. This was noted, they though. They would just spice the They life. would occasionally switch weapons, like, I don't know, just for funsies. Once the women were dead, they then hiked their skirts up over their faces. And they started to prepare the bodies for cooking. And they actually figured out what recipe Christine was following. She was following a recipe for rabbit from a 1901 cookbook that she owned. Really? Yeah, rabbit. Rabbit, rabbit is a very... Well, as a meat, it just it lacks a lot of fat. And human is quite fatty. Especially human women. Of course that's where you go. Of course. I mean, 
because of like rabbit is a very is a meat that is very low in fat like generally speaking like to the extent that if you if you just eat rabbit you will get something called rabbit starvation what? where you are no longer consuming enough fat to digest the protein in the rabbit like people die of it seriously it's a very lean meat yes interesting and comparatively like human women are well marbled oh there's like this survival game I play all the time called The Long Dark, where you try to like survive in the Canadian wilderness. And yeah, if you eat nothing but rabbit, I think you do die. Interesting. <laughs> rabbit survey. It's fun. It's one of those fun survival. This is a facts. fun fact. Don't eat. Don't eat a diet of pure rabbit. If you do not eat enough fat, you will no longer be able to digest protein. Huh. It's also something to keep in mind if you're on a very low fat diet. Eventually, it will start. Like if after you go below a certain point, you need some level of dietary fat. Huh. Fun fact. So, like, <laughs> eat women rather than... No, that's bad advice. Don't eat women. <laughs> Don't eat women. That was not the, that was that not was the, not the moral message. of the story. Uh, yeah, it's also, like... Although maybe that's not the reaction I should have had to, like, a rabbit recipe. Yeah, probably but not. It's no, neat to know that they knew the recipe. Yeah, I don't know. They, they, this was, mm. they figured this out. So this actually gets grosser. Um, they carved up the women's buttocks and thighs, and they basted the bodies with Genevieve's menstrual blood. So that's that's the peak gross. Like it's it's better from here, but that's that's that, I, I, that seems uh, like iron. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Just, like the coppery taste. Maybe that would maybe that would like go like the coppery taste would go away during the basting and baking. I don't know, but I don't, I don't need I don't to find know. out. I'm actually good. <laughs> that is not a culinary no, tip that I will be that's adopting. That's something I need. No. Um. So they. <laughs> I will stick to a to a sprig of 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 lemon. Yeah, you get a sprig lemon, of lemon parsley. I will stick no, to lemon, lemon juice and like a little bit of salsa. Sprig is like parsley or something. I'll stick to a wedge Bay of lemon leaf. and maybe yeah, a glaze. There's lots of options. That, I'll that aren't I will blood. hold off on the menstrual blood. <laughs> I'm gonna skip that. I one. don't. I don't want to like, like the French with their you know avant-garde cuisine are just like a little too far from. I don't me. think Julia Child ever recommended menstrual blood. <laughs> <laughs> Gordon Ramsay never told me about this. Oh, <laughs> uh, so the girls then like cleaned up the Someone mess. Tell Martha Stewart. Oh, yeah. Oh God! They uh, <laughs> they cleaned up the mess. They got ready for bed, and then they crawled into the same bed and went to sleep. Or not? They didn't go to sleep. They just crawled into the same bed. Um. So they just left the corpses out with like yep. their buttocks removed. Yep. That's what All they right. went for. So meanwhile, Monsieur Lancelin, did they eat? Them? No, there was no attempt at that. They just baked they, them. They just prepared them as if they were going to cook them. Like. Even after you murder your employer, you still go out of your way to, like, go about your daily... Yeah. That is dedication. They went about their daily routine. They went about their, their bedtime routine. Excellent whatever, maid work. Whatever bedtime routine is for a 1933 French maid. Hmm. I don't know. So, Monsieur Lancelin arrived home during the evening. He stopped at the house before heading to the brothers-in-law for dinner. And he found the house dark and the doors were chained and bolted. So, he was not able to get into the house. Like, apparently Weird. people didn't have keys to their own house back then. So he assumed that his wife and daughter had already left. Well, yeah, like there would have always been someone There's always home. a maid home or something, right? So mm-hmm. he um, couldn't get in the house. He just assumed that the wife and daughter had already gone to the brother-in-law's. So he just went over there. Um, but when he got there, like they weren't there and he started worrying. So he went back to the house with a friend from the dinner party. And the- As a non-terrible person, he was like, huh, my wife isn't where she said she'd be. Where is she? Yeah, a little <laughs> concerned. Concerned. The house, when they got back to the house with the friend, the house was completely dark except for a candle burning in the third floor servant's window. 
and the house was still barred. So when they weren't able to get into the house, they summoned new, two nearby police officers, or I'm going to fuck this up, gendarme? Gendarme. Gendarme for assistance. So one of them was able to get into the house by scaling the back wall of the garden and entering through the back door. That is some excellent police work. You're like, hello, officer. Would you mind breaking into this house for me? <laughs> oui, oui. But of course. You're like, you're wearing, you're re- wearing the right, uh, the you clothes look of the right class Let's of people. Immediate, immediately, monsieur. Well, I assume, like, also, people probably knew a lot of members of the upper class back then. Like, there were just fewer yeah, people like, around. If this is your regular beat... And like, yeah, neighborhood policing. There's only so yeah. many upper class people in this upper class neighborhood. You probably have a reasonable idea of who's. Who. I just feel like there was fewer people around back then. <laughs> there was. You, you were technically correct. You just, it's just easier <laughs> to know everybody. Um, the people who matter. Exactly. Not like servants. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, furniture. Unless your servant, you know, cuts off your buttocks and roasts them, <laughs> why bother know her name? Yeah, you should. It's probably why she did that, because you didn't know her fucking name. <laughs> it's Christine! Thank you. Not Kristen. Not Christina. Not Kathy. It's Christine. I don't think there was many women named Kathy in France in 1930s. Catherine, whatever. Fine. <laughs> So, like, the story of how the police... She deserved to get her buttocks sliced off. That's what I'm saying. Harsh, Jessica. Harsh. (laughs) I stand by it. Harsh but fair. I'm like a judge. So, the story of the gendarme entering the house is actually, like, one of the more famous parts of this case. So, he... The house was dark. So, he's he walked around with a flashlight, and nothing was out of place on the main level. And when he walked up the stairs to the first, like, the what they would call the first floor, the second floor of the house, his flashlight fell on a single human eyeball sitting on the floor. So, yeah, this image of the police officer coming upstairs and just seeing a single <laughs> eyeball sitting at the top of the stairs is sort of... That is horror movie uh, shit. It is horror movie shit. It's one of the famous parts of this case. So, he called down and ordered... That Mons- is definitely yeah. not what he was expecting he ordered from, him, from his evening. Monsieur Lasselin and his friend to stay downstairs. Stand back. Yeah, stand back. They found... I found a human so apple. So he walked around and he pretty quickly... Where a human apple is not supposed to be. <laughs> yeah. uh, finding a disembodied human eyeball on the floor is cause for alarm. Seek help. Like, don't... Uh, monsieur, j'ai un oeil et là-bas. Yeah, don't monsieur. try to deal with that shit by yourself. It's it's not great. Yeah, like, this is this is the kind of thing... Like, if he was in a... If this was the first five minutes of a horror movie, this guy would be getting gutted. This guy would be dead. Yeah. Absolutely, he would be this is not dead. survivable. So when he found he found the carnage basically on the second floor. M- M- Madame Lancelot, her eyeballs had been draped around her neck in the folds of her scarf. Like this was fucked up stuff. Fancy, very fancy. And you know that's that's French. You know they're so stylish, but in such unexpected ways. Yeah. So he raced up to the third floor, and he expected that the maids <laughs> would have been killed too. He thought that they were dead. Obviously, because, like, he was not expecting... The maids had done it, yeah. No, this wasn't the, the maids thing had done back it. then. Like, why would he think exactly. that? Exactly. Like, he's just like, oh, it must have been a home invader. Like, some big brutish man must have come in here and killed the women folk in this horrifying way. Yeah. So he instead... Sometimes stereotypes about womanhood come to our advantage, ladies. <laughs> They're weak. They never murder anybody and pluck their eyes out, except when the they do. The patriarchy ain't all that bad. <laughs> oh my god, Jessica. I haven't been arrested for plucking my employer's eyes out once. 
I, I hope it's because you've Not never done it, but I don't know. I don't want an answer to that question. I'm, I'm going to remain mum I don't on want that. an answer. I'm good. I was going to say plead the fifth, but you've already told me why you can't do that, because you're Canadian. Because yeah. I'm Canadian, and the Fifth Amendment of the Canadian Constitution has to do with giving PEI a bridge. Well, sure. <laughs> um, it won't It, it won't help a, you in a, in a court, court of law. law. Giving PEI a bridge will not help you. <laughs> <laughs> so the the policeman found the the gendarme found their their door was locked from the inside and he could hear them whispering through the door and nobody answered his knock so he forced the door and he found the girls clinging to each other in bed with a blood caked hammer on the nightstand so they made no attempt really to cover this up or to flee the scene not even a not even bit. a little bit eyeball on the floor eyeball, bloody, bloody hammer, hammer on the stayed desk. at the house like they they. They didn't even move the corpses. You didn't try. You didn't even try. I like. I I'll, I'll give you like a B on execution, but on the cover up, you were getting a solid D minus. I was gonna say D minus. We agree on the grading of murders. <laughs> Great. I mean, you did not actively put the corpse in a more public area, which is why you don't get an F. Oh, good. <laughs> if had you like thrown it into the street, F for you. If you had. Catapulted it out the <laughs> into window. Into the town square. Into the town square. <laughs> you would have gotten an F. Yeah. <laughs> but as is, D minus. <laughs> um, and the girls immediately confessed to the killings. So they were marched directly to the Lamont police headquarters in their nightgowns. Even though it was like, it was February in France. Yeah, like, it's I cold. don't, like, <laughs> these these gendarmes, they are probably upset enough that they're not going to wait for them to get a nope. coat. They didn't. You go to the police station now. Now. <laughs> now. <laughs> so after the murders, the question of the girl's sanity became a pretty big one. Like, again, this is an episode about folie adieu. So Christine did all the talking after the arrests, and Leia basically only nodded in agreement. Um, so all of the knowledge of the crime that we have from the night of the crime comes from Christine. Leia's never really talked about it. The girls... And she hasn't to this day. Mostly because she's, because dead, she's now. dead now. I mean, <laughs> like, Tragic. passage of time. Although she's not as recently dead as you might think. Or not, she didn't die as long ago as you might think. It's, it's more recent. But, um, the girls showed no remorse for what they did. They claim that everything they did was in self-defense, which was, like, at least, like, 93% of what they did was excessive. Yeah, like, I, I, I'd agree with that. Um, yeah, like, you like, could have yelled back like, a little bit, maybe, but then... Yeah, like, if, if we're talking, like, purely proportional, like, just like, hey, don't talk to her that yeah, way. Yeah, that's sort of where, that that that's way. mean. Like, that's... Like, like, the everything, like... From, like, first beating out in the head with a pewter jug. too much. On? The too Arguing much. Arguing was fine. And, like, even if you had, like, beaned her with the pewter jug and then had stopped and apologized. I feel like you're still <laughs> super fired. But, like... You were still super fired, but maybe at that point you are not a complete monster. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, God, I'm so sorry. Like, that's, like, hitting someone once with a pewter jug seems like the sort of thing you could do in a moment of passion. But then you're like, holy shit, I'm a monster. But, th- but then you stop and you're like, holy shit, uh, are you okay? Someone get a doctor. <laughs> it's good to know that that's where you draw the line, Jessica. You're like, all right, one smash with the pewter jug. But that's you get it. one freebie. You get one <laughs> smash with the jug. And then that's too much. And then you stop. And then you stop. You cut yourself off. It's all about self-control, really. Yeah. It's about learning to be moderate. Yeah. <laughs> Important skills in today's day and age. <laughs> 
<laughs> At a certain point, you just sort of give up on rejecting my premises, and you just sort of like, yeah, okay, okay. moving smiling. on. You can't see me smiling and nodding, because you're like hours away from me, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like I, 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 I'm bad at telling social cues at the best of times. Like I don't know if that was a, yeah, I agree completely, Jessica, or if that was a, yeah, okay, let's stop talking about this now, Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. Better both. Better both. Uh, so the girls tried to take sole responsibility for the crime, especially Christine. Leia actually insisted she had been a part of it. So evidence suggests that they were both involved. Christine was just trying to protect Leia. And at the trial, their lawyer tried to claim insanity. So he pointed to the fact that, like... Because that's, that's all you all got. You got. <laughs> and, like, for, in fairness, like, these girls came from a long line of people who were, like, certifiably bonkers. They'd had a cousin, <laughs> I think, who'd committed suicide, which was, like, a big thing back in the day. They had uh, an uncle or... Here, a, now it's, like, super cash, yeah, but... A little more sad. <laughs> I don't know that that's good. But they had... <laughs> oh, no, this, this is awful. They had a relative who had died in an insane asylum. Like, their dad wasn't great. So, like, their family just wasn't great. I don't know. He seemed like a model of mental health to me. And back in the day, having a crazy family was a much bigger, like, part of an insanity plea than it is today. Super taboo. Yeah, super not great. You should you should not do that, if at all possible. But the judge found them to be sane based on the fact that they'd made efforts to clean up the crime scene and get ready for bed. So he found mm. this to be evidence of their cold-bloodedness rather than insanity, and they were both convicted. So where the fully ado thing comes in is that at the trial, Christine was judged to be of average intelligence, and um, she was considered to be the mastermind of the crime. And so since they decided that she was the mastermind, she was sentenced to death by guillotine in the public square. Although, like, back in the day, they didn't really execute women. The executions of women were yeah, it stayed. Was it was it was just sort of for like... show. The executions of women were always stayed, basically. Yeah. It, it, it was, like, de facto, like, de jure, like, it's on the books. You can execute a woman by guillotine in the town square. Yeah, absolutely. But, like... They didn't do it. In a de facto sense, it never happened, yeah. so... Um, Leia was judged to be of low intelligence, like, again, by 1933 standards. Like, like, like they just, like, it's, it's not so much like people got lead poisoning in this day and age, they just ate lead. <laughs> just a big old bowl just of lead breakfast. for breakfast. Pewter, like, is often not used as a drinking container anymore because it's because there's kind of a problem with leaching yeah because it contains lead it's not it's not great yeah like the literal implement in this particular situation was like literally poisonous yeah maybe this was an attempted poison i don't think people actually <laughs> i don't think that's that. how you poison people you think like the smashing her in the face with lead with the pewter jug was an attempt to poison They're tr she's trying to get into the bloodstream <laughs> you're poisoned now also unconscious but still kind of poisoned <laughs> i don't yeah i don't like, think that was the master plan so like this is a day and age in which like neurotoxins are everywhere like, lead are everywhere. they're basically a food no one's group <laughs> like, mm -hmm. and like they're not like like carbohydrates. They're not like the bottom of the pyramid, but they're not the top of it either. Well, and, and I mean, like as much as we people bitch and moan, like people today are so dumb. Like, no, no, no. Like people are getting more no. intelligent with every generation because like yeah, nutrition like is you... better. Our access, mm -hmm. our exposure to neurotoxins is way down. Like this is the industrial revolution. The air hurts yeah, to like, breathe. Like everyone is getting poisoned. Like. Yeah, you're getting way more poison if you work in a factory, 
because, like, people are basically just funneling the fumes directly into your face. But this is also a situation where if you live anywhere near a city, you are being actively poisoned with every breath you take. Yeah. And that's not even including education as a factor. Yeah. Intelligence today is much higher than it was in 1933. It's... It, like, I think it goes up 10, 10 IQ points every 100 years, I think is the, the Flynn effect. So, But Leia was judged to be livestock, I guess. She was judged to be of low intelligence. Ah. And she was given a, like, what was considered a merciful sentence of 10 years of hard labor. Oh, fun. Yeah. So, like, what was interesting is that, like, hard labor sometimes kills people. It can. <laughs> In this case, it didn't. But when the girls were separated, Leia was fine. She she didn't behave she didn't display any more crazy behavior for the rest of her life. No aggression, no. nothing. When they were separated, Christine lost it. So in the holding cells waiting for to hear about her execution, um her behavior went off the rails. She had hallucinations, she had fits, she had to be restrained because she ref- she tried to tear out her own eyes. Um, oh geez. She, the, so the eye tearing was the like eye tearing was like a thing for her. She refused to eat or drink, and she would constantly demand to see Leia. And she was so out of control that the guards actually had to allow it. They were like, "All right, like whatever oh, will shut you up." And this is not like a humane visiting hours kind of society. No, 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 no. no. This was not a demand that was usually granted, especially because Leia was also in prison. Mm. Um, this was not just like a, a family member visiting you in prison. Yeah, like they're accomplices. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is a co-defendant. But as soon as she was reunited with her sister, she made sexual advances toward her sister. Yeah, there was just like there was like an incestuous quality quality to their relationship. I got that vibe. Yeah, but they're a little they're a little incesty, which is like part of the whole folia do thing. So she started unbuttoning Leia's shirt and pleading with her, please say yes. <laughs> like, in full view of the guards. They had to be separated again. Oh, jeez. Um, so, like... The, these must have been... This, this must have been the most upsetting day at work these guards have ever had. Just like, you will not believe the day I've had. A man, like... And like the other guards, are like I don't like. What are you talking about? Like yesterday, a dude shat in his cell and then painted painted a, his confession on the wall with his feces. What could be worse than that? And he's like, oh, you don't even sister cest. You, yeah, like that guy. He won that night's drinking drinking like storytelling. He won. It wasn't even a competition, and he won. He had the best story. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is not a contest you necessarily want to win. This is the kind of thing where, like, if you're drinking particularly heavy that night, no one is judging you. No. No one. I mean, it's France. <laughs> so no one's gonna judge you anyway. Judgment was minimal in the first place, but still. <laughs> um, so shortly after the whole sister cest incident, people actually at the time thought that maybe Christine, because the, the crime was horrific by, I mean, any standard of any day, any stint. So any. they thought she like, might be one of the. I read crime. You and I a read a lot of crime, crime descriptions for fun. All the time. <laughs> we have and so this is many disturbing. psychological problems between the two of us. So, so many. many. So many. But people of the day thought that maybe Christine would be like the exception. That she was going to be. If they were going to execute a woman, it would be Christine. But it, she wasn't. Her sentence was commuted to a life of hard labor, which was considered merciful, but was also sort of expected. They didn't. Again, they didn't execute women really that often but at the labor camp jail whatever it was she was again so out of control she was transferred to an insane asylum where she died in 1937 at age 32 of self-inflicted starvation so like she never Mm. got better she was she was the source of 
this insanity. And in fact, it, it it seems like Leia was a calming influence. If anything, yeah, which is, which is because, because like when they were in, contact, they chopped up two women and two plucked people. their eyes out. Yeah, <laughs> it's really calming. <laughs> Leia is yeah, she's the fidget spinner of this relationship. <laughs> Shouldn't do a good I fucking job. Did you? Of course you did. Oh yes, my mom got it yeah, for of me. Of course. So now I now I have I have the best mental illness swag. Yay! It's one of the fancy ones, the metal ones. Oh, you got a good one. I'm, I, I've I've heard that apparently there's a major problem with people like choking on the pieces. So I will do my don't utmost put it in your mouth. not to eat it. Yeah, don't eat a fidget spinner. <laughs> That's the moral of today's episode. Fuck all this like yeah, folly don't, don't, don't eat your fidget spinner. <laughs> you know, and find a better calming than your an incestuous relationship with your sister. Exactly. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> Leia, though, when separated from her sister, hey, I stand by that. I advice. don't. I don't. This is. <laughs> I want nothing to do. Janelle supports lesbian incest and eye plucking. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, neither is an option. Not eye plucking and not eating your fidget spinner are both options. <laughs> There's only the two. Yeah. This is why they make you live in the middle of nowhere. So Leia, when she was separated from her sister, she became a model inmate. And she was actually released eight years into her 10-year sentence for good behavior. Like, she was fine once she was separated from Christine. She moved back in with her biological mother, which, I mean, not great. She took a job as a hotel maid under an assumed identity, and that's the last history ever heard of her. She faded into obscurity. She died either in 19... Never plucked out another eye. Never plucked another eye. She died either in 1982. Some sources claim she passed away in 1982. Although a documentary filmmaker who made a film about the case claimed that she passed away in hospice in 2001. So she lived a long time either way. Mm -hmm. And um, she... Yeah, 2001. That's a long time for a lead eater. (laughs) Best breakfast cereal there is. Delicious mm, Lettios. <laughs> Frosted Letty Wheats. Um, <laughs> so she she just lived an unremarkable life once she was, which is I'm gonna t- I'm, we're gonna have a part two to this episode where I talk about some other famous cases of folie adieu. But that's that's often the case. Once the person is separated from their uh, their influence, they never do anything weird ever again. They're fine, basically, for the rest of their lives. Just completely psychological. They're totally fine. And at the time, the girl's case was discussed and talking, talking, wow. It's really late. Talking about- It's 2.30 in the morning. The girl's case was taken up by, like, great minds of the day. So you can find writings about this case from, like, Sartre, uh, Simone de Beauvier, Jean Genet. Simone de Beauvoir. Beauvoir? That's called Beauvoir. And Jean Genet, I think is how it's said. They believed that this was like, like I said, a case of class warfare. Knowledge of mental illness wasn't great at the day. They saw this as like the maid's uprising. Like this was District 13 <laughs> fighting the capital of its time. Uh, they saw it. This is, this, is, this is what Marx always wanted. Well, they saw it as a natural <laughs> consequence of what happens when you force someone to live in an attic, work 16 hour days, six days a week for pennies like this and i mean who's to say it's not right yeah like christine had problems i think you would expect some kind of something to snap at some point but i think it goes without saying that the vast majority of people who live these kinds of life never committed double homicides probably not (laughs) i feel like somebody would have written that down (laughs) like it's weird every maid in like 
1930s France commits double homicide. Like, there's got to be something to this. C'est très étrange. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Je ne comprends pas. That I do know. <laughs> <laughs> just, you know, this is super weird. Every time we force people to work 16-hour, you know, like, days, at, like, all six days a week, they just, like, lose their shit and kill everybody. Yeah. Like, I mean, it can't have <laughs> that helped. That usually isn't what happened. No, but Christine clearly had underlying psychological issues, and I don't think her lifestyle helped her at all. No, decided the isolation. Not. Like it was, it was all much too much. Yeah, like you can't just look at this and say, "Oh, well." After she got away from her abusive family situation that she grew up no. in, she was, she was, she, she, like, she was always going to like commit a double homicide where she plucked out people's eyes and then cooked their butts. <laughs> that was it's, not an inevitability. <laughs> really gets to me. <laughs> well, and also, Christine was at the prime age for schizophrenia. Schizophrenia mm-hmm. tends to strike women in the late in their late twenties, mid to late twenties. So, I mean, she was at the prime age to develop something like this, and it like your environment doesn't help. If you have a predisposition no, for schizophrenia, not. if you have a predisposition for mental illness, living a stressful, shitty lifestyle doesn't fucking help. Yeah, like poor nutrition, uh, lead for breakfast, stress, not a lot of <laughs> not, not a lot of rest. Yeah, not a lot of sleep, um, and like social isolation and a in a relationship of conflict with a person with a lot of power over you. Yeah, that's a great mix mix for like a developing just full blown psychosis, yeah. which is clearly what happened. So today, these girls, the Pepin sisters, are considered one of the most famous cases of folie adieu, with Christine being the originator of the madness. So there you go. We said that like. They were taken up as an st- example of class warfare. Modern people think that they had folie adieu. It's up to you. What what do you think of the sisters? And I mean, like, Jean Sartre, you're my favorite philosopher who looks kind of like a frog, but I'm going to disagree with you on this one. <laughs> <laughs> this is, we're going with madness? I, I think we're, like, I don't, I think it is a contributing factor. I do think their class position, like, and classism absolutely does intermix with mental health. For sure it does. If you, Absolutely. It's like, it's all those factors we talked about. Stress and poverty and nutrition and education and stability. But looking as it is purely metaphorical for the conflict between master and servant, from between upper class and working man. Too much. <laughs> I think that also misses wi- a, a lot, lot of, of the, the point. story. Yeah. And it also is, I think, a misinterpretation of what the average working person goes through. Double homicide? Not a thing? Double homicide, not really. Results, not typical. (laughs) Results, decidedly atypical. (laughs) I think think that kind of oversimplifies what is going on. I think there are both biological and neuropsychological aspects to this and class aspects to it. I don't think it's as simple as one or the other. There you go. I I agree. Like, I would be a deeply fucked up person if you forced me to work 16 hours a day and fed me lead. Probably. I I think we finally found something about you psychologically that we can both agree on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there we go. That is, that has been the case of the Pepin sisters. That is, that's all I got for you today. (laughs) And our first experience of folie deux. Perfect. I'll be back next time with two more cases that involve... Mm, I was going to say slightly less murder, but that might be a lie.
There might be just mm. no. There is less murder. There's there's still murder, but there's less of it. Still murder, but less now with eighty percent less murder. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Well, this has been. I think that's going to be disappoint people. No. Well, In any too case. bad. <laughs> too <laughs> it's bad. My podcast. Deal with what it. I want. Life is a dull sh- ha- sh- rainbows and happiness and sunshine and murder. <laughs> Eat your Wheaties. Eat your Lettios. All right. Well, uh, thanks for tuning in. And do people tune in? It's it's this isn't a radio show. I don't know. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for downloading, streaming this episode, and bothering to listen, listen. tuning it on the bus. <laughs> this this. By the way, they are all staring at you. Yeah, they're all looking at you. They they know what you're listening. You didn't put to. your headphones in. You've just been <laughs> announcing out your interest in double her- double homicide to the entire world. Perfect. Well, <laughs> we'll be back with more homicides next week. And since, yeah, this has been fat, French, and fabulous. Thank you so much for sitting through another week of murder and madness here on Fat, French, and Fabulous. We really hope that you enjoyed the podcast, and we thank you for getting through an hour and 23 minutes and counting of it. Um, If you enjoy us, the best thing you can do for us is write us a review. You can write them right on iTunes um, if you'd like to, or wherever else you review your podcasts. It helps other people find the podcast and get sucked in, and it really helps us out. If you haven't subscribed to us already and you like us, you should probably do that as well. Like I said, we are on iTunes, we are on whatever Android uses for podcasts, we're on your favorite podcasting apps, and we are on SoundCloud. So you can follow us to your heart's content on any of those. You can also follow us on social media. We are on Facebook at Fat French and Fabulous. We're on Twitter at Fat French and Fabulous. We have enough characters now to follow to get our whole name in there so you can find us there. We're at Fat French Fab, but our full name, Fat French and Fabulous, now fits... Into the name bar. Thank you, Twitter. And thanks for the extra characters that we will never use. Um, you can also find us individually on Twitter. I'm at VeryBadLlama, where I sometimes use all 280 characters. And Jessica is on Twitter at I'm not a lungfish, where she continues to not be a lungfish. Once again, we thank you for sitting through the whole podcast. We really hope that you enjoyed it, and we will see you next week. <laughs>